Hello, hello, it's Shelly here, and I'm delighted to be hosting you on this debut episode of the podcast. So let me take a few minutes just to tell you what the podcast is all about, and then we'll dive into the interview of me. So this podcast is for moms who are rocking what I call the double gig of being a mom and running a business. And also those of us jamming out to the triple gig of adding homeschooling to that mix. So whether you're new to the world of mompreneurship, being a business mom or a work at home mom, and you're trying to figure out how to make it work for you, or if you're a seasoned business owner who wants to make more time and energy to enjoy being quote unquote mom, then you're in the right place. So in the podcast, we'll talk about things like the new rules of business. So I'm all about breaking corporate stuffy rules that don't vibe with being a mama. We'll also talk about being mom in the midst of a pandemic. So coping with things like hybrid schooling, sudden lockdowns or stay at home orders, because yes, this is a thing at the time of recording in February 2021. We're also going to talk about starting and then running a business while homeschooling your kids. Yes, at the same time, it can be done. We're also going to talk about business strategies to leverage your time so that you can get the best out of whatever time you have to spend on your business, even if that's as little as four hours a week. We'll talk business tactics that make the day-to-day running of your business feel fun And that brings me to the central theme of this podcast, the gravity that brings it all together. And that is play. Mamas, I've got a suspicion that a lot of us have been taking business and life way too seriously. And so I'm on a mission to incorporate more play in my business and to invite you into the game as well, as we all figure out what it means to be playful mompreneurs together. So I've got a list of other business owners who are moms lined up for interviews on this podcast. These are mamas who are running their own businesses while rocking their motherhood side gig. So what I thought would be really fun is to ask myself the questions that I'll be asking my future guests and then I'll answer them for myself. But in the spirit of play, I think I need some kind of alter ego to ask me the questions. How about that? Okay, people, things are about to get a little silly around here because I'm going to invite Cruellette de Smithers onto the podcast to interview me. (laughs) Now, Cruellette is a villain that I created for a concert I helped put together at my son's old play school. And she's become a bit of a personification of the voice of my inner critic. She's terribly prim and proper and doesn't like it when I don't follow the rules. So consider yourself warned. Well, hello, Shelley, if that's your real name. I know that you're very honoured to have me on the show. And I'm hoping this interrogation, I mean interview, is going to be just perfect. I know it will be from my side. I'm hoping you'll bring your end of the bargain. Sure, Cruellette, I will try my best. (laughs) Hmm, okay. So, Shelley, tell us about your current business. Or 
Is it just a hobby? I'm going to let that little snide remark slide, Cruelette, and tell you about my business. I'm the owner of Shady Smith Creative, where I offer copywriting and website design services to small and medium businesses. I work with businesses in the creative industries, but I also love working with companies that are quite specialized. I love helping make their products and content more accessible by writing compelling case studies and clear sales pages that convert browsers into buyers. I'm also a teacher and a general cheerleader of other mompreneurs. So I offer digital products like online courses and eBooks on topics like getting started in business the simple way, writing your own sales pages, designing your sales pages, planning a launch, and a whole lot more. And as my dear inner critic, Curlette, I know that you're not too happy about the fact that I'm also writing a book this year, all about how to start and sustain your own business alongside the not insignificant side gig of motherhood. Hmm, yes. Although the book gives me plenty of opportunity to ply my trade at imposter syndrome and self-doubt. <laughs> now, you mentioned motherhood. Tell us about your family and childcare and education setup. Sure. So I have two boys. They're now seven and four. And my husband, Garen, and I homeschool them. And I really do mean that we both homeschool them. I'm in charge of homeschooling from Monday to Wednesday. And then Garen also works from home. And he's the homeschool lead on a Friday, which is one of my work days. And then currently on a Thursday, the boys go to my parents from about the late morning and then stay all the way through till supper time. And I have it even better because my mom and dad-in-law also have the boys for two afternoons a week as well. Well, la dee da you do have a lot of time to work on your business, don't you? I wonder why I've heard you saying that you have so little time. Tisk tisk. Yep, sure, Corolette, I admit, I certainly do have my moments when I feel like I have the least amount of time on the planet. And of course, it's not possible to use every moment of time that I have with childcare exclusively for then me doing work. I'm sure the other moms out there don't have to be told about domestic responsibilities, doctor's appointments, grocery shopping, errands, and then maybe taking a little bit of time out for a pedi or a cup of coffee. And I also want to point out that while I'm so blessed, and yes, even lucky, to have the amount of support I do, this whole system hasn't happened by accident. It's happened by design. Years and years of design, in fact as well as daily tweaking. But I'll get into more of that when we talk about my typical week. So I won't go into too much more detail now. Yes, indeed. I think you've blathered on quite enough about that now. Now, the next question you want me to ask is, what would you say is your zone of genius? Tell us more about that. But actually, can you please tell me what the heck you mean by zone of genius. What do you think? You're Einstein or something? Well, no, but I'm even more of a genius than Einstein, dear Krulet, when I operate in my unique zone of genius. You see, the way I see zone of genius 
is that it's an activity that you totally rock at. So it's something that you're good at and it's the thing that often people will keep coming to ask you about or to do. But it's more than what you're good at because that's your zone of competence is what you're good at. What sets your zone of genius apart is that when you're doing it, you're in a flow state and it brings you so much joy. And I think that when a person works in their zone of genius, there's an artistic quality to whatever it is they're doing, even if it's counting. (laughs) And there's a beauty to it. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. I'm thinking my zone of genius is selecting the perfect feather boa for the occasion. Or might it be harsh judgment? Hmm, it's a close one. But go on, what's your zone of genius? Well, broadly speaking, I'd say that my zone of genius is writing. And I think I can be more specific than that. Because I like writing pieces that make complex concepts simple and make an overwhelming bunch of information then feel ordered and logical and like synthesized. And I think that's why I love writing copy for websites and sales pages so much, because you've got to take a lot of information about the product or the service and the person, and you've got to put it into this organized sales page that will actually then lead someone to take action. And for the same reason, I think that's also why I love writing case studies and doing the research and drafting for my book. I take all this seemingly overwhelming bunch of information and and make it simple and logical and really accessible. So thinking about that now, what's interesting is that this zone of genius of writing has then led me into design because I feel like once you've got the words right, then the next logical step is to put together that story that you've created into visuals. And so this could be like a website or a printable download or an ebook. And even as I say this, I'm also thinking about how this ties into my enjoyment of music and writing songs. So I quite like writing kids songs and I'll usually write the words of a song first in a little rhyme or a poem. And then I set it to music. So I think, yeah, like the zone of genius would be in the writing and then I take it into like a musical format. And so I would say the design pieces, whether it's the visual design of a website or the audio design of music are maybe more in my zone of competence and the writing side is in my zone of genius. But I love how, how those have all come together so nicely and I just love how I can use this in my business. Oh, yes, yes, all right, all right. Now, I want you to tell us a bit more about your business journey. How did you get to the point you're at now? And what I'd love you to tell us about is an obstacle or a challenge you've had to overcome. I know you've bumbled over so many of those over the many years you've been in business. Yes, sure, Cruelettes, I've certainly had my share of challenges. I've been in business for over 10 years now. So my most recent challenge has been to handle what I call my triple gig of homeschooling, being a business owner, and being a wife and mom at the same time. And and doing that, and this is where I feel that others can totally relate, doing that in the middle of a global pandemic. 
And I know I painted quite a dreamy picture of my childcare situation as it is right now, but if we rewind back to March 2020, things were very different. So in February 2020, we decided that we were going to homeschool our kids. We had no idea we were on the precipice of a global pandemic, that there was going to be a lockdown, and that for months ahead, we wouldn't be able to see my parents or my parents-in-law, never mind rely on them for help with the kids. So we had this massive change of homeschooling combined with many of our support systems that we had relied upon being taken away from us. And added to that, the overall worry, the uncertainty, the crisis mode of a global pandemic. And so initially, I tried to control it all. I tried to enforce a very rigid school schedule, thinking that this would be best for my kids. But the reality is, I'm not very good at that kind of rigidity. And I realized that my kids were putting up major resistance as soon as they smelled that something was educational with a capital E. <laughs> and so, so doing homeschool felt forced. And too often, one of us, either one of the kids, or me, or even Garen, would end up storming off in a temper tantrum. At the same time, I was also trying to keep pace with my business and implement all these grand plans that I'd made at the end of 2019. But I just felt like I was failing at every turn in my business. And it didn't feel like fun anymore. I just felt like I was pushing a boulder up a hill that I didn't plan on being there. And it was just so hard. And so at that point, I was like, let's take a break from everything. All we need to do is survive each day. If we've done that, then we're winning. So in May 2020, I dropped all formal, what I call now book learning, and I decided that the boys and I would simply learn through play. Well, let me say that that is absolutely horrifying. Weren't you worried that your kids would fall behind? That they wouldn't keep up with the standards expected at regular school? Weren't you worried that you'd completely mess them up? Um, yes, I was. But looking back now, I realized it was the best thing I could have ever done. You see, homeschooling is not simply, quote-unquote, school at home. Schools do great work, and I have tremendous respect for school teachers. I even studied to be a school teacher many years ago. But the fact is that there's an entirely different skill set required for teaching a class of 20 plus children within a large educational institution called school compared to teaching, like in my case, two children in the home setting. It's a whole different ball game. And so I had to let go of the school rules and we as a family had to start creating our own rules based on our family values, our personalities, our interests, the resources we had available to us, you know, like that sort of thing. And it was in this process, I feel like we learned to really rock homeschooling to the beat of our own family drum, not trying to follow another set of rules that didn't really apply 
to our situation. Oh, lovely. But I'm interested in diving more into your mistakes or the things you wish you'd done differently. So I've just explained the process that we went through in letting go of the set of rules that we thought we had to abide by in our homeschooling. In homeschooling circles, this process is called de-schooling. And when I first heard about it, I made the mistake of thinking, nah, we don't need to do that. I even thought that it was only a process that the really hippie, free-spirited, unschooling type of homeschoolers needed to go through. But that was such a huge mistake. I think I was also so scared to mess this up. So I clung to the rules and the structures of what I knew, which was the formal school environment. So if I was to do all of this over again, I would have embraced this process of de-schooling sooner. Because while it was scary to let go of the rules of school, it was also amazing to see that when I did let go of those rules, I had the space to rewrite the rule book in my own way and in my family's way. And one of the times that this point was brought home to me was when we created our dinosaur diorama. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, the idea will become clear to you soon because I didn't really know what we were doing either because we didn't really set out to do this. So this is now at the time where I'd said, let's just learn through play. Like we're not going to do anything planned. We're just going to let go of any expectation. So the boys were coloring in pictures of dinosaurs from two different coloring books. They colored in quite a few. So I said to them, well, let's tear them out of the coloring books and stick them on cardboard and let them stand up and we can kind of make a bit of a dinosaur scene. So, of course, then we needed to make a nice Cretaceous background for them to wander in. And I remembered that we had a nice big cardboard box that we could open up and set up as a backdrop. Then the paints came out, (laughs) every mom's worst nightmare, and we all started painting tree ferns. It was outside on the grass, which was great. We painted these volcanoes and the sun and the sky, and that's when my oldest son said that the pterosaurs needed to fly, so we folded over the box to make more of a sky and then tied the pterosaurs with some cotton to make them look like they were flying. And you can tell, even by all this dinosaur terminology that I'm using here, that the kids and myself, we were all learning a whole lot of new things about dinosaurs, as well as things like mixing colors and perspective and planning and collaboration. And in the end, we had created this beautiful and, dare I say it, educational scene, which my dad later pointed out was called a diorama. Hmm, sounds like quite an aha moment for you with your homeschooling. But what was going on with your business at the time? It must have been a disaster. Okay, well, yes, this was totally an aha moment for me. I realized that if I allowed the kids more time and space to play, if I let them be guided by their own curiosity, then it was inevitable that they'd learn and love learning. And you asked about my business, and no, it wasn't a disaster, Cruelette. But looking back now, I realize that I was going through the same process in my business as I was with homeschooling. Instead of trying to run my business by someone else's rules, 
rules that I think I might have made up in my own head anyway. But like, you know, rules that would have come from a combination of corporate culture and this idea of having to hit specific revenue goals before you could consider yourself successful. And probably all the rules in the internet marketing space. Well, there were a lot of rules in that big mix that I was, I was you know, thinking that I needed to follow. And of course, Curlette, I had you criticizing me when I didn't follow the rules or quite make the grade. But I'm on to you. Because in embracing play with my kids, I also embraced play in my business. And I realized that I didn't need to follow anyone else's rules other than my own. I had the right to build my business on my own terms. I had the right to make adjustments to the way that I ran my business, to fit in with my role as a mom and in this new responsibility of homeschooling. And for some time before this, I had really been drawn to the idea of running small experiments in life and in business. And then based on the results of those small experiments, you make bigger decisions in your business. It's a concept that I discovered from a writer called David Epstein in his book Range. And so one of my experiments last year was to record a podcast episode, just one episode with my biz bestie, Francesca. And so we had been meeting regularly and talking about business anyway. So in this case, we just hit record on our conversation. And then that turned into a bigger experiment, a podcast season called Simply Biz Besties, which we committed to for four months. And because of everything I learned doing that podcast, I'm now here recording this podcast. And I would never have landed here unless I started off at the playful point of recording a simple chat with my biz buddy. So I'm finding that using this idea of play in both my business and with my kids is not only fun, but it's also really effective. I can progress so much faster in my business and just with so much ease and flow, I think because it's fun, I can also let go of all those nasties like perfectionism, comparison, and even a lot of anxiety. Phew, well, all that playing sounds like anarchy to me. And when do you ever get some real work done? Okay, no, so play does not equal anarchy. Because think about it, when you're playing a game, you still have to have rules. Or when you're playing a musical instrument, you still have to play within a particular scale or key. But remember... We have our own businesses, so we can make up our own rules. And, you know, sometimes that can actually feel overwhelming. Many people will say, okay, but where do I even start? Can someone please just give me the rule book? But instead of using someone else's rule book, you figure out your own rules through play and through experimentation. That's what I'm saying to you today, and that's what my journey's been about the lessons that I've learned in 2020. And so yes, play does take a bit of work. It does take a lot of intentionality, but it brings the fun into your business so that work doesn't feel like drudgery. It feels flowing. It feels energetic. It feels like you're making a difference and adding value and you're getting rewarded financially for that. 
So to your other question, Kruelitz, the real work and the play coexist side by side. In fact, I probably get a whole lot more work done when I arrive with a playful mindset than when I arrive with a super serious mindset. Yes, indeed. Judgment is what you have me for. Now, let's move on, shall we? Tell us about your typical week. So, Monday to Wednesday are homeschool and family-orientated days. And then on two of those afternoons, my kids are with their grandparents. And so I've been using that time for homeschool prep, home organization, and like personal errands and appointments. I was finding that I was trying to use that for work, but it just almost wasn't enough time to get stuck into something deep work. So instead, I'm using that time to do the preparation work that actually sets me up for success in the rest of my life. And so far, that's working really well. And then, so that's Monday to Wednesday. And then most of Thursday and Friday are my work days. And also after lunch each day, we all have lunch together and then the boys have a rest or they go and do something sort of more restful in their, in their own rooms. So I use that time to do some more shallow work, like reading and replying to emails. And what I'm trying to do now as well is to incorporate a bit of journaling during that time, just to give myself that bit of self-care time as an anchor point in the day. So I'm working on that. So far, I'm not being terribly successful, but I'm going to do it. I've allocated Monday and Thursday evenings for client calls. So I'm in South Africa and so I'm in a different time zone to many of my clients in the US. And so I need to have some time in the evenings blocked out for client calls. Hmm. Okay. Sounds all right. Now, break it down for us. How many hours do you work per week? Like, and I'm talking real work now. Yes, real work, Krellet, all right. So real work is about 15 to 18 hours at the moment per week. That's like my official work time. So that includes my midday admin time. And right now with writing my book, I can sometimes also work for two to three hours on a Saturday if I need some extra writing time. Mm. And how much time of your, your week is spent on your kids. So I want it in a percentage, please. Okay. As a percentage, I'd say around about 60%. So that includes homeschooling, taking them to extramural activities, meal times, bedtime, and then even just hanging out alongside them while they play independently. So during that time, in those magical moments when they are playing independently, maybe I'll use that time to check some emails or my messages or I'll use it to do some personal development stuff, like read a book or do an online course. Okay, now, what other constraints do you have on your time that you've had to factor in to this ideal calendar that you talk about? So at the moment, we don't have too many additional constraints other than what I've mentioned to you, pandemic, childcare, homeschooling. I know many people are taking care of elderly relatives. I know they have to take time out for maybe dealing with a chronic illness and doctor's appointments and that sort of thing. So at the moment, the constraints that I've explained are our main ones right now. But we do love going away on holiday or on vacation. 
And we love doing that quite often, especially now that the lockdown has eased a bit more. We've really realized how much we missed going away on holiday. So while this is a wonderful thing and I absolutely love our holidays, I also need to really factor this into my work week and my own expectations of myself. Otherwise, I actually stress myself out going on holiday uh, by all the work that I want to do before and catch up after. And, and I'm always worried about work during the holiday. So I, I found really the best thing is to just manage my own expectations of myself to cut down the amount of work that I'm planning to do. What's brilliant about having this ideal calendar is that I've got a structure to work from. And then when different things do happen, I can just make adjustments from then. I'm not constantly reinventing the wheel every week because that takes a lot of mental energy. Now, with only 15 hours of real work per week, how on earth do you get anything done in only 15 hours per week? Really, you sound like you're slacking off. So I'm not slacking off. Believe me, I am not. (laughs) But what I am doing is I'm constantly experimenting. At the moment, I do client work every Thursday, but I alternate. So I do client work every other Thursday. And then on the alternate Thursdays, I work on my own business and content creation like this podcast, my website, reaching out to potential clients and that sort of thing. And right now I've committed Fridays to writing my book. But because of the content in the book and the content I need for my business, they overlap quite significantly. So this helps me to repurpose my work quite nicely. I'm also trying to incorporate a CEO hour at the end of the day on Friday so that I can plan my next week and do all the CEO things like financial management and check in with my VA and do some higher level content planning. Hmm. Okay. I see. Now... I know that you struggle with being productive. Can you share a productivity tip that is somehow working well for you right now? So yes, I do sometimes struggle with productivity, but I'll give everyone a nice tools tip here. So I'm using a writing tool called Scrivener to outline and draft and eventually publish my book. So getting it set up has been quite a bit of work. But what I'm loving is it's compose view where you only see your writing in front of you. So there's no icons or other windows or any other distractions. And that's really helping me to stay focused on my writing. And I even used this to put together the content for this episode. And you can do the same thing on Microsoft Word. I think it's called focus view. And I'm sure on Google Docs as well. Oh, yes. And the do not disturb function on my iPhone. I'm finding that's really helping to just give myself, even if it's just half an hour or an hour, it's helped a lot with productivity and focus. Okay, now I'm still not convinced about this play thing and I need an example. So can you give us an example of where embracing playfulness or approaching a challenge with what you call a playful mindset. Can you give me an example of where that's actually worked? Where that's led to some kind of success in your business? Um, I have to give credit where credit is due, Curalette. You, <laughs> you are an example of where embracing playfulness has helped me to get these thoughts down on paper. So, as you know, 
in Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, I am a rebel. And for those of you listening, if you haven't checked out Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, I highly recommend it. It's all about how you respond to expectation. And so as a rebel, (laughs) I do not respond well to any expectation, whether it comes from others or within myself. So I've been struggling with a bit of writer's block with my book. I've done the whole outline, but then recently I sat down to actually write and it just wasn't happening. So instead, I sat down to write this podcast episode and the words suddenly flowed when I came at it with a more playful mindset and I didn't have any major expectations of writing the seminal work for mompreneurs. <laughs> and then you arrived, Cruelettes, first as a voice of self-doubt and criticism. But then I thought, hey, let's get Cruelettes in on the game. Oh yes, well, I'm always up for a game. Although, as you become more playful, I have to admit that it takes the fun out of it for an inner critic like me. But before we wrap things up, I need to check up on you and see which rules you have broken. So tell us, what business rules, Shelley, do you feel that you've broken in your mumpreneur journey? I suppose to good effect, although I cannot see why you would want to break any rules. As you know, I love breaking the rules. I think the big thing is around time and managing my time and many people think that if you're going to start a business you're going to have to give it at least 40 hours of your week but ideally more and I think there's this expectation that when you're starting your business you're going to need to put in extra time to get it off the ground but I don't go by that rule anymore I believe that the journey has to align with the destination and so if you're working 60 hour weeks on the journey then very little is going to change when you got to your destination of successful business. So I've just said no way to the idea that I have to be in a seat behind my computer for 40 hours a week in order to have a successful business. That's just an old-fashioned idea. And instead, I've looked at how I can work fewer hours, but in those hours be working mostly in my zone of genius so that the work feels easy and the value that I'm offering to clients is so incredible, which means I can charge accordingly. And so that has taken a whole lot of intentional design work. But I just want to say it's totally possible and it's so much more fun than just, you know, obeying the rules of what a business should be like and doing a business plan. Oh yes, by the way, I didn't do a business plan in the old official way. If you Google business plan, I don't feel you need to have this whole funding plan. And that's maybe another rule that I feel like I've broken. I think there's this impression that to start a business, you need seed funding. You need angel investors. You need some kind of loan from the bank. And you certainly don't. You can bootstrap your business. So another example, I feel like I've pushed the boundaries or broken the so-called rules is around client relationships and I think again there's this expectation that if a client needs something you've got to drop everything to answer their question or give them what they need right then and there 
And this was something I dragged through from my years at a corporate job. And it was stressing me out in my own business. So I started putting boundaries on my available time. So doing things like assigning days of the week for client days and only allowing clients one review of their website or copywriting. They provide me with one review in one big batch instead of multiple requests back and forth that go on for months afterwards. And also that inevitably get lost. Other boundaries that I've had with my clients could include boundaries like only being available in certain time slots for calls. And you know what the cool thing is? Clients love these boundaries. They respect them because they actually serve them too. They get better work out of me because we're not working in this kind of crisis mode of like change this, change that. Have you done this? Have you done that? And they're wondering if I've actually like done the, the different things that they've asked me. They also get my undivided attention during those booked calls. And I think also it gives me the space to operate in my zone of genius and to really give them my zone of genius, which is what they're paying me for. So this idea that in order to serve our clients, we have to be there for them 24-7 is incorrect. Sometimes the best way and the most professional way of serving our clients is to establish really clear boundaries that you communicate to them and I have found that, that that works so well for both sides. Okay, so tick and tick on two rules that you've broken. <sighs> what am I going to do with you? All right, Shelley, you've exhausted me quite enough already with all this talk about play and intentionality and fun. So let's wrap it up. What tips or advice do you have for mamapreneurs who are starting out on this journey? Well, my biggest piece of advice is to keep it simple. You're going to start your business and think that you need business cards and a website and to be on at least three social media channels and to have your exact product suite nailed down, down to the T and a beautiful logo and, and, and. But I can tell you, that you need way less than you think you do in order to get started. You may have actually started your business already and you don't even realize it. I've chatted to moms who have said, well, I've done some freelance work here and there for someone when she needs extra help and she pays me, but I don't think I can call it a business. Well, yes, indeed, that's not a business. You need to be registered to be a business. Well, I disagree, Cruelette. This mama totally qualifies as a business owner, in my opinion. And yeah, like while registering your business is a good idea eventually, it's probably not the most important thing to do. I think what might be more important and what I'd recommend is to start by opening up a separate business bank account. It's a really simple but powerful way of making your business official, making it a separate entity to you. And my other piece of advice is, of course, to take a leaf out of your kids' books, or better yet, take a leaf out of the tree that your kids are climbing and get playful. Set up small, low-stakes experiments. But most of all, have fun with your business. Write your own rule book and give yourself permission to play in your way, even if that means consenting to an interview by your inner critic. 
Absolutely. We supervillains can be a lot of fun. Well, I think I have been absolutely brilliant in today's interview. I'll hand over to you now to thank me from the bottom of your heart. And I'll see you again when you're feeling some self-doubt, okay? <laughs> you have been absolutely brilliant. Thank you. From the bottom of your heart? From the bottom of my heart. Okay, folks, before this gets even more out of hand, I'm going to sign off, but not before I remind you that if you enjoyed this episode, and if you'd like to hear more from mompreneurs about how they are rewriting the rules of business and rocking motherhood to the beat of their own drums, then please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for being here with me today. I look forward to many, many more podcasts about being a mompreneur and totally rocking both your motherhood and your business. Bye.